This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, as we move into February of 2022, it's a great time to take stock, think about the road ahead, and make sure you're positioned properly to look after you, your retirement, and your family. I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we'll get some answers from the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning. They've got lots of great ideas that's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. As BC announces a change in the number of visitors people in long-term care can have at this point in the pandemic, the province's top doctor said this past Tuesday, she may soon announce a plan to begin easing COVID restrictions. Dr. Henry actually used the words very soon, but added it will not be a, quote, flick of the switch. She said it will be more like a dimmer, gradually turning the dial not to put people at risk. Meantime, all seniors and other people who are in long-term care facilities in BC can now have two visitors regardless of whether there's an outbreak in that facility. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole was given the boot this week, with caucus members voting 73 to 45 to remove O'Toole on Wednesday. He resigned a short time after that. Later that night, the Tories named Candace Bergen as interim leader, an MP from Manitoba. She'll stay on until the party membership chooses a new permanent leader. This will be the third leadership race since former Prime Minister Stephen Harper stepped down after losing to the Liberals in the 2015 election. Earlier this week, both Ontario Premier Doug Ford and Alberta Premier Jason Kenney said they were not interested in federal leadership and are instead focused on their respective provinces. So they're not going to go for that job. I guess when you're busy being wildly unpopular in your home province, it's hard to start thinking about being wildly unpopular on a national level. Uh, In a recorded statement posted to social media just after resigning, O'Toole said that he accepted the results of the vote, but he had some parting shots about the direction of the party that he would no longer lead. He said Canada needs a conservative party that is both an intellectual force and a governing force. So read into that what you will. BC's premier made his first public appearance on Tuesday since undergoing radiation treatment for throat cancer. John Horgan underwent 35 sessions of radiation after being diagnosed back in November. He said he found a lump on his neck. There was a biopsy and it showed that the growth was indeed cancer. Horgan says he's feeling pretty good as he stood outside the BC legislature. He was noticeably thinner, saying he had lost about 25 pounds. He also no longer has a beard. Uh, The 62-year-old premier thanked the people working at the cancer clinic and joked, that the jacket he was wearing was snug on him this time last year. He also says the good news is that his favorite pair of jeans fit him again. Horgan's appearance was for a Lunar New Year event celebrating the Year of the Tiger. His cancer treatments are now over, and he's expected to be in the legislature uh, next week, this coming week, for the throne speech. The Liberal government has revived a bill subjecting streaming companies such as Netflix to the same rules 
as traditional Canadian broadcasters. Dubbed the Online Streaming Act, the legislation would force streaming platforms to offer a certain amount of Canadian content and invest some of their profits into Canada's cultural industries, including film, television, and music. Bill C-11, as it's known in Parliament, updates the 1991 Broadcasting Act, which of course was passed when there was no such thing as Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Spotify, which have all completely changed the way we all watch TV, movies, and listen to our music. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, it's a look at estate planning. And it's not just for people who are getting ready to die. It's for everybody. And it could save you and your family a lot of money in the long run. We'll talk to the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. We're we're settling into the new year. Can we still call it a new year? It's, you know, it's February now, but we're looking forward to the future. And with the 2022 budget announcement due later this spring, could now be the best time for families who have accumulated a little bit of wealth to take advantage of tax-saving strategies before they are no longer able to do so. A lot of people are speculating that 2022 could be the year that the extreme spending habits of the government will finally need to be accounted for. So where will they look first to do this? Where will they get this money? And what does this mean for you, your family, your retirement? How can we protect our assets and really make the most of our tax mitigation strategies. To answer these questions, our friend Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com, joins us this afternoon to share some tried and true uh, tested estate planning strategies that we can use right now. Hi, Paul. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm very well, thank you, Martin. Indeed, I was going to say the same thing. Is it too late to wish you a happy new year? Which, of course, I do. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And I, uh, me, the same to you. And I, I don't know what the actual, I think if you haven't talked to someone since the new year, then I think you're allowed. Maybe March. I'm happy with that rule. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a good rule. Yeah, let's, let's say the end of February is the cutoff date. Um, okay, but let's, let's talk about Macmillan estate planning. Uh, and first of all, I should mention, uh, if, you're, if you're kind of just wanting to understand a little bit more about estate planning, you guys have uh, a couple of absolutely free virtual seminars. Uh, they are this Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, uh, February 9th. And Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time, February 12th. And uh, this is a good way for people uh, who are a little, maybe a little intimidated by the thought of estate planning to kind of see what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely, Martin. I mean, you know, of course, I'm anything but intimidating. But um, yeah, it's a... it's quite a nice, nice introduction to things. We just we cover off some some topics at, at quite a high level, and the the concept is such that you log on. It's all pretty user friendly. But the point is, if you have some interest in any of the things that we talk about in the webinar, you can always arrange to have a, a, a meeting with us on a purely complimentary basis to dig a little bit deeper and look at some of these things in a bit more detail. 
Right. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people, like you hear the phrase, you know, wealth management and people are, are thinking, well, that's for a certain type of people. But, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot more than they think they do. And there are some very important steps that we all have to take to, to protect those assets from, from taxes and all those kind of things. So let's talk about uh, the federal budget that is coming up. Uh, it's expected to be announced in the spring. Um, so what should we be expecting to hear from that federal budget and how do we, um, you know, protect ourselves from what's in store perhaps in terms of new taxes and new rules? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Martin. I mean, I think this budget is one that I, I was going to say that people are excited about. I think that's the absolute opposite of what they feel. But there's going to be a lot of interest in it because, <clears throat> excuse me, this is likely to be the one where we hear about the changes to the, the tax regime that will be directed towards trying to balance the books after the, after the pandemic. I don't think I'm going to be telling anybody something that is going to come completely out of left field, but I, I, I believe that within the industry we're expecting some some tax increases, I'm afraid to say. Um, of course, countries like the US and the UK have already introduced similar tax rises for the same reason. So it's not unreasonable to expect that we'll get the same sort of thing here in Canada. And I suppose what I would say is that what we should be looking at is, or are, I, sh I should say, the strategies that are available to us now. That's before the budget, because if we use them now, we can ensure that assets are protected, irrespective of what the, the announcement looks, at, looks like in spring of this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it is kind of a... It, it can be uh, a scary thing. And a lot of people are, are looking at um, all sorts of uh, new taxes that, that all were kind of set in stone. We always thought, you know, things like capital gains, the way that is taxed and all these things. And uh, if, if those are even changed slightly, it can mean a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of pain for some people. So let's talk about tax minimization strategies like that, that, uh, what kind of things should they be considering right now, pre-budget? Well, I mean, there are some fairly traditional uh, things that we can, we can look at. Um, well, the first one I'll start with maybe is something that would be more relevant to a business owner, for example. And the, the strategy there is called an estate freeze. It's uh, a really useful opportunity for business owners to, be, to allow them to save on tax. Because what happens is they, the, the business owner effectively freezes the value of their business interests at a point in time. So they know what their tax liability is concerning those assets. They can plan for that during their, their remaining years. And obviously, the, the, the idea is to mitigate or reduce that number over time. Now, what happens beyond that is the business owner will usually restructure some of the, the shareholdings and so forth, and they will, by doing that, defer the tax on the growth in value of the business. They'll pass that off to, say, the children and the grandchildren, um, other beneficiaries. So they will share in its future growth, which means, of course, that the business owner is, is essentially paying less tax in their lifetime. And the other one that many pretty high net worth families, I, I should say, are, are looking at at the moment is using what is called 
a prescribed rate loan trust. Now, as exciting as that is, or as it <laughs> sounds perhaps, or, or not, the way that works is that an income with perhaps fairly high income or some fairly sizable assets can loan some of those assets to a trust. And in return, the trust pays interest based on the prescribed rate. Now, when the trust has the assets, they invest them, and we hope that they get a downside more than the prescribed rate, which is, you know, around a percent or something like that. Um, and what it means is that that, that's, that surplus between that 1% and the actual return can be sprinkled or divided between um, the beneficiaries of the trust, which could be children, grandchildren. Essentially, you want people with a with a low tax rate just to 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 allow the family to sort of benefit from that rather than the the initial investor getting you know sort of taxed at the the much higher rate right and and these are some pretty innovative solutions so i i guess uh people who own businesses they should probably start thinking about these kind of solutions even well before they're uh, at retirement age or thinking about, um, you know, leaving the business. It's probably never too early to start thinking about these kind of, kind of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, don't forget, particularly when it comes to business owners, it isn't just thinking about the tax ahead of time. It's thinking about the actual succession. Who is going to take on the business? Is there somebody within the family or, or, or an existing member of the team that might take that business on? Or are we going to be in a position where we're going to sell it? And irrespective of which, which outcome ends up being uh, true, you plan in a different way for each. But I, absolutely, Martin, when, when it comes to thinking about leaving a business from a taxation, succession point of view, it doesn't usually happen overnight. So it's, it's never really too early to, to have, a, have a conversation about it. Even if it's not on the immediate horizon, at least there is something there for the future when it becomes a reality. But if perhaps a person is, is getting up towards retirement age, well, I would say the sooner the better to, to start addressing some of these issues head on perhaps. We're talking to Paul Lindsay uh, from Macmillan Estate Planning. MacmillanEstate.com is the website. And if you go there, uh, you can sign up for a free virtual seminar. There's one this Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's February 9th. And then Saturday morning on the 12th at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And Paul, I'm sure you've seen all sorts of, uh, you know, handoffs of businesses. Uh, do you think most people, most, you know, especially small businesses, do you think most people think enough about um, how they're going to leave their business to their families? That's, an, that's another good question, Martin. I, I, I think it varies. I think the biggest misconception, as, I, as I've mentioned there, is that leaving a business doesn't typically happen overnight. I mean, some businesses, of course, all of the value is in the, the individual. But if we're looking at a business that maybe has uh, staff and products and things of that nature, it's definitely going to take longer to succeed that business than if it's, you know, perhaps, as I said, might the phrase I would use is a, a one-man band. So, yeah, it's, it's something that should be the moment that it becomes a reality. It's, it's definitely staring you in the face that is the time to start planning immediately because you'll probably find yourself needing 
it could be anything from a few months to a few years to, to, to get out of the business properly in the most tax efficient way and in such a way that the business is able to continue with minimum disruption to staff, suppliers, clients, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about tax minimization strategies. Uh, we were just talking about people with businesses um, and uh, an estate freeze is one of those options. Do you have any other advice uh, for people looking to generally to minimize tax? Yeah, I think the, the first thing, Martin, is just to make sure you're using more of the traditional exemptions. Um, just using your TFSA to its full effect is one. And then, of course, there's the idea of using the the principal residence exemption when it comes to the, the sale of your, your family home. Now, this is something that for a while there were murmurings that this exemption was going to be lost, but there was a fair amount of pushback, as you can imagine. And so it certainly re remains on the statute books for the time being. But there's a bit of a misconception that when you reach a certain age or a certain point in life, you must sell your family home and move to a little condo, and that is life for you moving forward. <laughs> that, is not the, that is not the case. Now, right. and, and from a taxation perspective, if a person is living in a home worth, say, a million dollars, and when they, when they pass, or indeed if they want to sell it in their lifetime, that full million dollars can be passed to, say, the beneficiaries, the children, completely free of tax. Okay, but if we think about my example with the downsizing to a condo, maybe they sell for a million, no tax to pay there, then they buy this condo for half a million, and let's say they invest the rest. Well, when they pass away, the children or the beneficiaries might get the half a million that is the, the condo tax-free, but the other half a million is going to be subject to taxation, whereas if they either stayed in the main residence or because I'm very conscious that sometimes people move, not because somebody says they must, but because they, they perhaps have, um, they become slightly less able to manage a substantial property and they want to, to downsize or something. Well, the advice I would typically give is if you want to sell the house for a million dollars and buy a condo, make darn sure that it's the penthouse and you pay a million <laughs> for that. So you keep that, 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 that value in your estate that you can pass tax-free. Great advice. And that's the kind of advice you will get from Macmillan Estate Planning. We're talking to Paul Lindsay. MacmillanEstate.com is the website. And the seminars are this Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, February 9th, and then Saturday morning at excuse me, 9 a.m. That's February 12th. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about, uh, you know, keeping the tax man at bay. Uh, the budget is coming up and uh, Macmillan Estate has some great, great strategies for uh, being ready for whatever the budget has in store for us. And we'll be back with more of Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate Planning when Vancouver Consumer returns right after this. Welcome back, Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and my guest right now is Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com. And uh, if you'd like some to spend some time with Paul and the other folks at Macmillan Estate Planning, you can do it this Wednesday, February 9th at 5.30 p.m., uh, and then also Saturday morning, February 12th at 9 a.m. They're virtual seminars. You can do them at home on your computer and uh, they can tell you a lot of facts and a lot of innovative solutions for for holding on to, to the wealth that you spent your entire life 
um, you know, amassing and, uh, and how you can effectively pass it on to your kids and just make sure you're not paying too much tax. And uh, we've been talking about uh, the budget that we're going to see in the spring 2022. Um, what are your main concerns uh, about this upcoming budget, Paul? Hmm. Okay. Well, aside from the obvious that we've we've talked about already, Martin, I, one of the things that is is more relevant, I would say, to to more people of all ages, is what's going to happen with the the tax free savings account contribution limit this year. Right now, that's a, a fairly simplistic tax planning uh, strategy. I mean, it's something that that everybody can can use, but it looks as though the contribution limit for this year is going to be about $6,000, okay? Now, obviously, bearing in mind the, the, the lifetime contribution limit as well, it means that anybody that is perhaps contributing to a TFSA for the first time this year can actually have a value of $81,500 inside that investment vehicle. Now, I appreciate that's not necessarily, you know, money that you find down the back of the sofa, but it's worth bearing in mind because using this means you can have that sort of value growing on a tax-free basis. So none of that is going to CRA. The profit that you make is, is yours, and it's something you can use to, to grow the value of your estate. And indeed, in conjunction with the point that I mentioned about using the, the, the principal residence exemption as well. Now, for some of the more affluent families that we act for, we have a, a bit of a tax strategy that is very similar to a, t to a TFSA, but it operates on a much grander scale. It, it, it's such that it's, I suppose you just, you may as well call it a giant tax-free savings account. And right. that is, it really does have some value when there is, there is you know, considerable wealth, particularly. Right. So I, I, I love the sound of that, a giant tax-free savings account. Because the tax-free savings account, I think, uh, is kind of, uh, it doesn't seem like it's as top of mind to Canadians as it should be, especially young Canadians who can really take advantage of it uh, because they're young. But, but let's talk about this giant tax-free savings account. Um, what exactly does that entail? Okay. Well, it's, it's, it, it uses a strategy that uh, we typically reference as the maximum tax actuarial range, which sounds as boring as you like, <laughs> but... But what comes out the other end is, you know, all of a sudden being the boring title goes out of the window because what it does is it allows you to tax shelter up to 25% of your estate. You essentially sort of, you know, you, you, you relabel it. Now, if you have, say, a $10 million estate, you could park $2.5 million inside this particular strategy and it would grow tax exempt throughout the balance of your lifetime so it's earning uh income on an annual basis that is that is tax free and that is obviously compounding every year that you're you know still above ground as they say now what it does is in addition to that tax free growth in your lifetime when you pass away, the value can pass to your beneficiaries on a tax-free basis as well. Now, 
if you have a corporation and the corporation use the strategy, well, the, the, you know, the tax savings there can be even more than they could be in the hands of an individual. But coming back to what we've been talking about, this is something that could well be coming under the radar of the federal government because historically you used to be able to tax shelter even up to 100% of the value of the estate. And over time, it has gradually come down to this 25% number that we have today. And who's to say that after the next budget, that 25% doesn't come down to, say, 20%. So for all intents and purposes, this comes back to this whole idea of let's play the field that we have in front of us. If we can tax shelter 25% now, but theoretically that could change this time next year, well, I think there's a pretty good argument for saying let's see if there's any application inside my particular estate. Wow, some some innovative stuff. And I, I think it's just uh, another reason why people should go to MacmillanEstate.com and sign up for one of these virtual seminars. Uh, this Wednesday at 5.30 p.m., uh, February 9th, and then on the 12th, Saturday morning, uh, next Saturday at 9 a.m., just go to MacmillanEstate.com, absolutely free, and you can uh, meet the folks at Macmillan Estate, and uh, they can tell you if, if, if there are some strategies that are right for you. So uh, you've talked about all sorts of uh, tax-saving options. Uh, how about some other strategies that you recommend, especially now because we're in such uncertain times, um, from an investment perspective, uh, what are some uh, strategies that you're recommending? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one, Martin. I mean, we, you know, I think um, we've we've probably covered most of the the tax stuff today. I mean, as exhilarating as that is, of course, but um, <laughs> well, it is it is yeah. exhilarating when it saves you dough. That is exhilarating. That, that, to me. that is true. That is absolutely yeah. true. I will give you that. It's what comes out, <laughs> isn't it, at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, from from an in investment perspective, and, and as you said, Martin, it's, it, it was still in fairly uncertain times here. The the main thing is really just to, to reinforce the idea that it can be tempting to make rash or impulsive decisions, just as we you know we look to try and protect our investments from from market volatility. Excuse me, volatility. Um, but I would certainly encourage everyone to sort of take a step back relax and sort of adopt more of a long-term perspective. That tends to be the best way to get the best investment returns is looking at things with that long-term view in mind. Um, there are still numerous strategies available to not only protect wealth, but also grow it at the same time. And I have to say that many of the families that we work with, when we present these strategies, they perhaps haven't heard of them before, or, or they're certainly something that they um, wouldn't ordinarily consider, perhaps. But the point is, is our goal is to deliver some growth, because we all want to make money, of course, albeit in such a way that when we're looking at this from the retirement perspective, we are taking minimum risk. Now, we will often recommend the use of things like investment trusts because what we can do with that is we can pr protect a percentage of a retirement nest egg against those sort of um, volatile market fluctuations. 
Right. And, and I guess it, it, it is always a battle between growth and, uh, you know, being safe about things. But do you think more people make the mistake of being too safe or do you think they're too aggressive? It's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you can be what you, what you might think is too safe, as in rolling up those dollar bills and putting them in a sock under the bed. Well, you're actually going to lose money rather than just being safe, because, of course, that's not, not dealing with the, you know, the inflation point. Um, I think there is a tendency for people to be quite cautious, and I think that's because they've, in, in Canada, of course, it's, it's, it's wealth that has been created by the person who is controlling it. They're the ones that have had to put all of that toil in. This isn't just wealth that has come down through the family for hundreds of years. And I think when that happens, people don't want to take quite so much risk because they know how hard they've had to work to generate it. Um, of course, I suppose in a, a balanced investment portfolio, it, it, it very much is dependent on what the investor is looking to do. But there's a place for risk. But how much of the, the, the investment is exposed to risk is, is entirely dependent on what that person is looking to achieve in the longer term. If it's, you know, I mean, we, we don't typically come across people trying to just make a, make a quick buck, but some are a little bit more uh, happy to have some risk than others. It's, it's about how much can you afford to lose if it goes wrong, which, of course, we never, never plan for. Yeah, and you, you don't want to think about it. Uh, uh, Paul Lindsay is with us from Macmillan Estate Planning, and uh, your virtual seminars are coming up. Uh, there's one on Wednesday at 5.30, February 9th, that's Pacific time. And then there's one Saturday morning, uh, 9 a.m. our time, February 12th. And you can sign up for free at macmillanestate.com. So, you know, what do you talk about? A, a little of everything, I guess? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the you know the the idea with these these seminars, Martin, is just to address some of the the primary high level com, um, uh, subject areas that we cover off as part of an overall estate plan. Uh, we we always look at tax. Everyone loves loves talking about it, despite what we may have said today about the fact that it can be a little bit dry. But it's as I said, it's the outcome we're focused on. Um, legal bits and pieces, you know, talking about your wills and um, succession in that way. And then, as we've talked about again, businesses, cross-border issues. Of course, many people hold assets outside of Canada. Typically, I suppose, um, for the most part, we're seeing people with, with uh, assets and real estate in the U.S. And then beyond that, it is just focusing on protecting this wealth that you have built what strategies are available to us to do that and we've we've heard some really innovative ones and i think uh, uh a lot of people probably uh, have no idea what's available to them and uh i guess i guess you you can uh surprise a lot of people by telling them the options that they have yeah, I mean, that's, that's as good a word as any to use to describe it, Martin. I mean, uh, as long as it's a good surprise, that's the main thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> so things like tax planning, legal planning, trust planning, business succession, U.S. estate tax issues for Canadians, asset and investment protection, generational planning, and also charitable giving. That's a big part of this, too. Uh, charity stuff. 
Yeah, indeed. And, and there, are, there are a number of different perspectives here. Um, charitable giving is important to, to, to many people from a uh, philanthropic point of view. You know, they want to, to leave a legacy or they want to become involved in this during their, their lifetime. And because of the passion that many people display for it, that is a, a component of your estate plan. Um, if that is something you want to achieve in lifetime or upon your passing, well, let's look at how we're going to plan for it. Now, we must also not forget, of course, that when we are looking at charitable giving or charitable planning, well, you do get a fairly handsome tax credit when you donate, give, or provide for a charitable organization as well. So it's a bit of a multifaceted approach. There is the, the traditional, as I said, philanthropic idea, and then obviously the, the tax consequences that, uh, that also flow from that. So go to macmillanestate.com and sign up for these virtual seminars Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, and then Saturday morning, February 12th at 9 a.m., uh, our time. And Paul, thank you so much. Always, uh, always interesting to talk to you. Have, have a great afternoon. Thanks, Martin. You too. Paul Lindsay from Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com. You can also phone them 1-833-266-6464. And when we come back, it looks like Vancouver is shrinking, not this city itself, but the population. I'll tell you about that when we come back next. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And you know, Vancouver is shrinking. At least the population is. After decades of steady growth in that department, Vancouver's population took its first downturn since the 1970s this past year. Data from StatsCan, Statistics Canada, shows that the city of Vancouver's population in 2020 was just over 700,000 people, 700,015 to be exact. But last year, that number fell to 693,235. That's a difference of 6,780 people. More than 6,700 people moved out of Vancouver in a year. So where did they go? A professor of sociology at UBC recently broke down the reasons behind those numbers in a recent interview with the Vancouver is Awesome website. Dr. Nathaniel Louster says a large part of it is because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But outside of the city, a lot of areas didn't see a big drop. North Vancouver's population rose by 842 people from 2020 to 2021. Dr. Louster says... That might be because a lot of young people living in the city may have moved back in with mom and dad because of the pandemic, and mom and dad often live in the suburbs. Those young adults make up a significant number of temporary residents in Vancouver. Those include students at UBC who started taking classes online at the start of 2020, as well as service workers downtown. This was also evidenced by an increase in housing prices in the suburbs outside of Vancouver City, a move many were able to make thanks to being able to work from home. And speaking of housing prices, a population decline in Vancouver might mean good news for renters, with rents going down because of less competition from other people looking for a place to live. Dr. Louster also warns 
that these are not typical times, and it's hard to predict what the next few years will be like, and these numbers could change and fast. He figures people will start flocking back to the city, but as to when that happens, kind of an open question. Louster figures that if the pandemic escalated again and more semesters were to be held online, we'd probably see a lot more people leaving town. But if universities and service work were to come back and restrictions were lifted, he fully expects to see more people flooding back into the city. So while the future is hard to predict at this point, I wouldn't bet against the city of Vancouver continuing to bring in lots of people, not only from the rest of Canada, but from around the world. This is Vancouver Consumer, and our thanks to the folks at Macmillan Estate Planning. And don't forget those seminars if you want to learn a little bit about estate planning yourself. This Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time and Saturday morning, February 12th, at 9 a.m. Just go to macmillanestate.com to register. It's absolutely free. And when we come back on Vancouver Consumer, it's the news. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.